This podcast is made possible through donations from listeners like you and our partners at Tallman Equipment. They pride themselves on equipping their customers with the tools they need to get the job done right. They are dedicated to set the standard for quality, convenience, and reliability. At Tallman, your opinion is important to them. Rate and review any product or tool you've used on their new website at tallmanequipment.com. Line 11 Clothing Company, making apparel for their first responders with a positive message to patriots that you can be proud of. A proceed of the cost goes to helping our foundation ignite the fire for father engagement. Give them a follow at Line11Clothing on Instagram. You could also find them or email them at Line11Clothing at Yahoo.com. And last but not least, Monzingo Knives. Each knife is created with craftsmanship that only a tradesman could provide. Find them on Instagram at Monzingo Knives and get your American-made Monzingo knife today. Welcome to The Show Up Dad, a podcast for hardworking fathers. At The Show Up Dad, we recognize that fathers providing for their children is certainly important. But when men truly understand their unique role and gain the knowledge and skills to be great fathers, they can transform and impact future generations. Our guest today is none other than Mike Kula. He is a husband and father first and a curious entrepreneur who loves testing different growth marketing strategies. He's used to sell over 100 million in products and services during his crazy entrepreneurial journey, online and offline. He has been featured on CNN, interviewed by Anthony Robbins, and featured in over 100 publications over the last few years. Welcome to the show, Mike. I am excited to be here today, and I can't wait to have this conversation together. Really looking forward to it. Man, you got a pretty extensive resume there, brother. <laughs> that's 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 really amazing. I appreciate that. It took me a long time to find myself, but I've always had that entrepreneurial bug. Uh, so, uh, you know, it, it's been a fun journey. Awesome. I like to start things off by you having you give us an overview of how you grew up, Mike, if you don't mind. Yeah, sure. So I uh, grew up right outside New York City. Um, you know, my parents got divorced uh, when I was the age, I believe, five. Uh, you know, so it was just my father uh, bringing us up for a little bit. He ran a business, so he wasn't home a lot, unfortunately. Um, but did uh, find another woman, married her, my stepmother. Uh, and, you know, we lived uh, right outside the city. Just It, it was, um, you know, there's different parenting styles, right? And so my father was very much an authoritarian. Um, whereas, you know, today I'm more of an authoritative, you could say as a, you know, I parent with my children versus at my children. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it was kind of like his way, um, 100%, uh, there was no discussion about it. So, you know, grew up in a, you know, a very wealthy town. My father did very well. Um, you know, but it was more presence over presence. So I parent from presence, meaning being present with your children mm -hmm. versus gifting them stuff. And so for my father, we had very good Christmases. We traveled, you know, had very nice vacations. Uh, and I know deep down, you know, he passed away, unfortunately, when I was in college, mm -hmm. um, that he loved me. Um, but, you know, it, he wasn't somebody that would show it. Mm. And, and is it safe to ask you, Mike, how, how was that? How did that affect you, that relationship, that, that, that distant relationship that he shared with you? How did that affect you? Yeah. I, I think I told you I was a, a very wild uh, teenager, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, very much so. So, you know, for instance, uh, you know, I got my license when I turned 17, like everybody else. And by the end of my 17th birthday, I'd lost my license. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Um, so it was kind of like one of those things when the cat's away, the mouse will play, right? And mm-hmm. so um, I was a good student, highly respected. I did Taekwondo my whole life, mm-hmm. so I definitely did respect adults. Um, but just, again, it was a very tough relationship at home. Um, I had a stepmom that, um, you know, definitely you could tell did not have the same feeling towards me that she did um, with my two um, half-brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, when my father had passed away, you know, I stuck around and um, really, you know, I was in college, but, you know, uh, worked full time to help the family out, um, you know, uh, and also parented and, you know, visited my brother who played Division three college basketball um, four hours away and I would drive up every weekend to, to go watch the games, you know. So, you know, I kind of stepped into that parent role uh, when that had happened, but never had that really close relationship with my stepmom, unfortunately, either. And my biological mother uh, left me at the age of six. She continued to see my older brother and sister, but said I was too much like my father and uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> didn't want to have a relationship with me. Um, so, you know, from a childhood standpoint, um, you know, it, it was it was interesting, you know, psychologically speaking, you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, and probably, but it made me who I am, you know, uh, and who I've become because I, I just learned a lot through it. Mm-hmm. You know, we can learn a lot as, as boys, right? We can learn a lot from our fathers and how they relate with, their, with our mothers, right? How did uh? One hundred percent. How do you remember him interacting with your your stepmom? If you remember. Yeah. That? V- no, and I do very clearly. It was very much the same thing. Like, mm-hmm. I remember my father. He would, you know, on the way to the office, he would open up, you know, the drawer to maybe like, um, you know, get get a spoon out, for instance. And if that drawer wasn't the way that he wanted it, you would think he was military. He wasn't, but he would just pull out the whole drawer and just dump it over and just say, "Have it cleaned by the time I'm home." You know, and so, um, you know, it, it was just interesting um, from that standpoint. But again, um, you know, his, uh, my stepmom was 20 years younger than him. Mm. So, um, you know, not really, you know, uh, from that standpoint, you know, sure what the relationship was there, but they ended up having, you know, two children together and um, they loved on those children, which, you know, I do have to say, you know, again, deep down, I know my father loved me. He was just a very, very strict individual with everybody he dealt with. And I think it was because, and we'll discuss about my career and kind of things I've learned mm-hmm. along the way. But I definitely feel it was one of those things that um, because he ran, you know, a large company mm-hmm. and had to control all day, when he came home, he still kept that control hat on instead of realizing that parenting is much different, right? Mm-hmm. And so he wasn't, um, you know, it was more, I'm the CEO of my business, I'm the CEO of the household also. And, you know, we both know that that's not the way to parent. No, no. But the sad thing is, Mike, like you're talking about, there's so many men out there, these fathers who don't turn it off. I know I didn't. You know, I yelled at my guys all day when I was pushing a crew. And when I came home, I did the same thing with my wife and daughter, (laughs) you know, and there's consequences for that, you know, it it definitely is. And I mean, the reality is, is, you know, there is no playbook on parenting. Right. And Mm -hmm. so. A lot of us, you know, we're thrown into it, and without even realizing it, we're parenting the way that we were parented. And so it's always good to really slow down mm-hmm. and just ask ourselves questions. And, you know, I've done that a lot more. I wish I could hit the rewind button to when my kids were much younger mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, I became an entrepreneur for my kids, mm-hmm. um, but then my businesses started controlling me, and I wasn't home for the exact reason that I became an entrepreneur is to have more flexibility in my life. But next thing you know, I was working harder. And then when that business became systematized and didn't need me as much, what did I do? I bought another business. 
and then started, you know, just pounding myself into it. Mm-hmm. You know, now the last three years, when I look back at it, guess what? I'm exactly the same way my father was from that standpoint. You know, now, I, again, I parent differently, mm-hmm. but I'm, I wasn't home in the, in the beginning days. Like I wanted to be for the exact reason I became. I mean, I remember 9-10-2001, I came home the day before 9-11. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my wife had told me, you know, she was pregnant. It was uh, going to be our first child together. And I went in that next morning. I worked on Wall Street and I resigned. You know, an hour before the first plane hit. And so it was like one of those things, you know, know, um, luckily I had a good relationship with my managers and what have you because Mm -hmm. probably not the best time to be starting a business, right? But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I became that entrepreneur because I wanted to have that flexibility in my schedule and be there for my kids growing up because I traveled a lot. And then next thing you know, what am I doing? I wasn't home. (laughs) So, yeah, to to your point, exactly. It's interesting. Man, I think that is that's an amazing story. I mean, especially with you know nine eleven just passing here, you know, a week ago or so. Yep. I mean, that's insane. You literally resigned one hour before the first plane hit. Did I hear that correct? Correct. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I literally was on the phone when the plane had hit with my partner, who was supposed to be in the World Trade Center, yelling at him because he wasn't at the office, and then stuff was falling on his car at the time. You know, it was, um, yeah, we all have stories, obviously, of where we were, what happened at that time. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it, it was, uh, you know, somebody up above God was uh, mm-hmm. definitely looking out for me because I should have been the one in the city that day, but I wasn't. I was across the river in, in a place called Secaucus. That is so crazy. I mean, I know this is kind of a little off topic, but how did, did you have any kind of, like, survivor's guilt or anything like that because of that? Um, no, I mean, it, it's... Um, I mean, we, I, you know, I knew a lot of people, unfortunately. Yeah. um, Yeah. I, I, um, yeah, I lost, you know, a lot of good friends. Um, You know, I was in in investments. I'd always loved investments. Um, And, you know, that's what I went to school for. And just, you know, today I'm still in this field, right? But Mm -hmm. it was, I mean, everybody's got stories. It's, It's just crazy. And then the consequences of those that volunteered their time, unfortunately, afterwards, and not even realizing, you know, what it did to them. I mean, I just, you know, lost a friend two years ago um, that, you know, unfortunately had cancer, um, you know, believed uh, to be from, you know, being part of the cleanup there. So, um, you know, again, it was just had friends who were stranded out in the West Coast that worked with me because, again, we all traveled a lot. That day I was, again, I don't know why I should have been in in the city in the world trade, but I wasn't. I was in Secaucus. And, you know, I just, yeah, it, uh, it, it was crazy. Man, thank you for sharing that with us. I mean, that's, man, that's that's amazing. Um, thank you once again. Um, so let's get back to this, brother. Um, what did your dad show you about being a good dad? That you His work have? ethic. Um, you mm-hmm. know, I, I say, you know, that's one thing. So, I mean, it's a, it's a balance, right? And so mm-hmm. um, work works at the end of the day. We have to. Um, you know, we have to train our, our, our children. And I say train, right, because mm-hmm. um, it's, you know, th- uh, this month I'm teaching, I'm a, a, I do a, a Bible class for fourth and fifth graders at uh, my church. And, you know, this month our memory verse for the kids is um, work at everything you do with all your heart. Work as if you're working for the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so it's all about taking initiative and all. And so that's one thing, you know, my father was very good at, whatever he did. He, he gave it his all, right? And so, again, his uh, intentions were well. And even, you know, um, <clears throat> you know, not to get too, uh, 
you know, uh, sobby here uh, mm-hmm. for anybody, but I, I was, you know, again, in college, I was a sophomore uh, when he passed away. And, you know, I worked also for a company called Allstate Insurance. And so, you know, I was pretty good at my job, good at sales. And I came home that night um, to have dinner and I had to go back to the office uh, to close up and lock up and what have you. And so I told my father that night, um, I was like, hey, you know, uh, my boss had bought me, um, you know, a ticket uh, or a hotel room and two tickets for me and a friend to go spend the weekend in the city because I had a, you know, a good month for him. And so it was like kind of like a bonus, right, that mm-hmm. he was giving me. Um, super excited. And my father said, isn't this your weekend to work, uh, to cover the office? Because we alternate the weekends. I was like, yeah, but it's my boss. And he's saying that he'll cover it. He goes, no, you have a responsibility. And so he and I, you know, like always, we got into a fight. And, mm-hmm. you know, I steamed off, went to the office, called my boss to let him know, told him. And he met me there. And I was underage, but he still got me into a bar, brought me out for drinks. And probably not, mm-hmm. not the smart thing to do. But um, got home that night late. Father was in bed already and stepmom. And there was a note on my desk. And it said, you know, this is, again, like just so powerful. Things come to those who wait, but only those things left over by those who hustle. It's an Abraham Lincoln quote. And he wrote me this long message, and it was a life lesson. I was so mad. I remember I crumpled up that, that letter, just, you know, just angry. And I went to bed, and at 2 or 3 that morning, my mom came, stepmom came running down the hall, screaming for me to come. And I uh, went into um, her room, and um, my father had passed away. Oh, man. Um, so, yeah. Um, anyway, so... You know, we all have, you know, interesting stories, but it was like, mm-hmm. wow, like, what a way, um, what a last message um, for me. And so, you know, that's one thing, if I look back as an entrepreneur in the way I've always worked, it's, um, you know, with that mentality of good things come to those who wait, like, take initiative, work hard, right? Mm-hmm. Go be the one. Um, and that's what I do with everything I do. Um, but, yeah, that, that's, uh, that was his last message to me. Wow, that's that's definitely uh I could see how that's life changing and, and I mean it was just powerful. I mean, just you opening up and just sharing that with us. I mean that raw emotion that you have. Um, man, it's crazy. I, I don't know how many guys I've talked to and you know, when you, you ask them that question, you know, how was your relationship with your father? You know what I mean? About seven out of ten of them are gonna cry. If they're really real with themselves, they're gonna they're gonna open up and they're gonna you know what I mean, they're gonna have emotions behind it. Yeah. You know, and it's uh, you got it, you know, and especially if they're a father themselves, yes. right? And you're looking at your own children, and you realize, like, sometimes again, like, I have a 19 year old boy who's up in New York now with my wife, mm-hmm. um, helping my father in law. Um, they've been there unfortunately three weeks and probably another two. Um, you know, he's 82, closing up his house, and he's moving down here. And, um, you know, I look at sometimes the way you know my relationship is with my son, right? And like, I always do try to pause to tell him like hey i love you because it's something my father really never said right um mm-hmm. you know again very very you know my way um whereas you know i try to you know i always text my son i love you and you're doing a good job and just to let him know you know i appreciate who he is and who he wants to become as an individual and yeah it's important i think as fathers that we need to do that no i can't agree with you more i'm, I'm kind of the same way never really heard my dad ever tell me he loved me or was proud of me um and it hurts. It does. You know, I know he knows that and I know he loves me in his own way. But for me, it led me to, 
you know, I grew up in a performance-based household to where I chased after out of boys. I had to, you know what I mean? And uh, I I shared this story on another, you know, on other podcasts here about how when you grow up in that type of household, it's chaotic, right? You have no control because of this authoritarian figure, right? Where it's my way or the highway. Okay, and that's, that's control for whatever reason, whether it be, you know, we all know that control is fueled by fear, fear of something, right? Fear of the unknown or whatever. 100%. You know, and what's fear? Fear is an acronym for false, uh, false um, evidence, exactly, appearing real. So with that being said, you know, he led by control, and sometimes that control was fueled by, you know, instilling this fear into us, like, hey, man, you're going to do this or else. And exactly. I started catching myself doing that with my own children as well. And I saw the damage I was creating and I was like, ah, something's got to stop, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is not the right way. And that's what it's kind not, of, embarked I was, this. I was whacked all the time, man, as mm-hmm. a child, like with a thing called pussy willows. Those, those little sticks. I don't, I don't think parents would be getting away with that today in today's culture. And mm-hmm. I am all for like, I don't, I've never had it, you know, I've never struck my kids. I'm not against a parent if they need to take a belt out to their kid's butt, if they're disrespectful in any way. But Mm -hmm. I've never had to do it because I think of the fact that I just constantly am always pausing and asking myself, you know, how can I be different? Mm -hmm. And having that conversation, right? And like really just making it more of a problem solving. Like I literally just had a you know conversation the other night with a teenage daughter that wasn't easy, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was not easy, uh, especially you know my wife's away, and so I had to have this conversation about something I really didn't want to. Um, but you know the eyes roll and everything, and so we naturally right we we know right we're looking at it, and I'm like stop rolling those eyes, you know, and like, mm-hmm. it's like you know they they come back at you, and it's um and it's like you know you gotta you know manage your emotions individually and and try to work through it and solve you know the problem and for me sometimes that just means it's hard Mm -hmm. um, with my type of personality but walking away Mm -hmm. to come back and say we got to address this a little bit later on it's very hard especially with men because you know um dr emerson egerich talks about how men need respect and women need love right that's our primary need yeah. is respect as men. So when they're rolling their eyes, they're back talking and all this stuff. I mean, we're feeling oh. disrespected, right? In a sense. 100%. You know, and uh, what I started doing too is like, oh, what, what drove me up the wall with my teenage daughter is when she's like, I already know that. I've heard you. I've heard you. And instead of getting offended, I started getting the thought, well, I must be doing my job because if she can repeat back to me, Right. What I just told her, said, yeah, 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 I get it, Dad, I got it. Then that means I'm doing my job. So I started looking at it through that perspective lens to where instead of getting offended about it and, and, and you know, you're going to be in trouble, I'm taking away your phone or whatever, I started looking at it like, man, I'm doing my job. Okay, I got it. Yeah, 100%. And we have to because mm-hmm. we can't leave it up to somebody else. We can't. Um, and so, you know, it, it's, it's hard. But back to what we were just saying earlier, work mm-hmm. works, right? It mm-hmm. does. But it takes work. It, it absolutely does. Now, now, with that being said, Mike, what trends or information can you share with us about what you see in the state of fatherhood today? You know, it, it, it's interesting, um, you know, because you, you mentioned um, fear, right? And mm-hmm. so I think a lot of, you know, fathers parent from fear sometimes and not understanding. And, and you know, hey, 
you know, like I, again, I have teenage kids, right? And so they want to date. Mm-hmm. And, you know, w- what is all of that about? Like, hey, I know what I was like as a boy, right? And so there's Mike not in control and having to, you know, try to control it, right? Mm-hmm. Or I'm very active in social media. So my career is around social media, right? So mm-hmm. I understand it. But I have so many friends who just don't understand it, right? Because we didn't grow up with it. And so these kids, by the time, you know, like if, if you mention Facebook to them, they're like, face who? Like, that's old, right? right? Like they're on Snapchat and all. And then we all hear these things in the media about, you know, these things, but they're headlines, right? And so they, they're meant to, again, the media, what does the media do? They scare us, mm-hmm. right? And so they, they make it unknown. And so I, I think, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, fathers, and I see this at church with the ones who are very active, in their children's eyes, they just, there's so much coming at us Mm -hmm. and things are changing so fast uh, because of technology um, that sometimes a lot of us feel lost, right? Because we can't duct tape everything together. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, you know, we've got work, we've got a relationship at home with, you know, our wife and then, you know, our friends and then at the same time being a parent and things are changing so fast. Kids are developing so much faster than mm-hmm. they used to, right? They even say, you know, it's scientifically, it's a fact. It's the lights that are coming into our kids right now. Girls develop at a faster pace than they did, you know, 20 years ago because of the light that comes off of the cell phones, right? The light that comes off of the iPads that are in their hands 24-7. Mm-hmm. And so I think from a fatherhood standpoint, a lot of us, it's just, you know, we need to have a community of other fathers mm-hmm. um, and, you know, not fathers that are sitting around at a bar, um, you know, uh, because it's just not going to lead to a good situation, you know, so, um, you know, not to, to, to get, you know, preach religion to everybody, but, you know, find good fathers mm-hmm. that you can, you know, have as a community and really be able to speak with them when, you know, that, that, that whirlwind of fatherhood is hitting you day in and day out. Hmm, yeah, definitely. And I mean, that, that, that's crazy too, because I mean, they have these groups for men all over, right? They, they, yeah. you know, they have a, a, a men's group for talking about trauma or whatever like that. You know what I mean? I think it's equally important to have that group of men that you can go to just like you talked about, you know. But it, the key word that you said was good father, right? Because <laughs> obviously you don't want to be hanging out with somebody who's beating their kids or whatever. You, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because you are who you hang with. That's, that's a, a lesson that I learned from my, my old man. You know what I mean? 100%. And like when you look at like all the, the, the top channels like that are out there, just like let's take social media for example, right? Mm-hmm. When you look at like things that talk about, you know, humor, things that talk about sports, mm-hmm. things that talk about um, movies, right? Um, shower thoughts even, you know, I, I was just seeing today, do you believe shower thoughts on Reddit hmm. has 20, I believe 25 million subscribers to it? But when you look at parenting or dads, it's under a million. Hmm. And where, where are people, you know, that just tells you, like, you know, we're all looking to escape. But what is the most important thing? It's our kids. Like, yeah. they're our future. And so, you know, from a priority standpoint, I just think, again, it comes back to that whole slowing down, just saying, wait, this is, you know, maybe I need to, to you know, watch one game instead of all three games on Sunday, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and spend some of that time with them. Because, it's, again, it's fast, and I can say having three teenagers, I know people used to tell me this when I was younger and I didn't realize it, 
a snap of a finger. And it's, damn, it's like they're teenagers. One's graduated, one's graduating this year, and another one of mine is graduating in two years. And it's just like, I can't believe how fast it went. Hmm. I like that keyword you said, priority. Because yeah. you will make time for what's important to you. Right? I mean, 100%. You, you could always make time, you know, like when, I know for me, like if, it's not important to me. Like, ah, I'm busy. I'm busy. But if it's important, you damn well, Skippy, I'm going to create 25 hours in a 24-hour day <laughs> to get to it. You know what I mean? So, you know, as fathers, and you we know also, gotta have you've those got to have You have a teenage daughter. Like, mm-hmm. So you know, like, when do they want to typically talk? It ain't in the morning. No. It's not in the afternoon or when you're coming home from work. A lot of times it's like, you know, it's late at night when we're ready to to say, I'm going to bed. Right? Yes. And that's when they're ready to open up and you can really build that bond, that connection the most. But, right. you know, it's it's that priority of saying, you know what, I'm going to have to disrupt my life a little bit. You know, and I'm OCD, but mm-hmm. I don't know if I brought that up in the beginning, but no. like my life, it lives by a calendar and everything I do, it's like, you know, I am robotic. If somebody wanted to take me out, it is very easy to do it. You know, what time I'm walking, what time I'm at the gym, what time I'm, you know, walk through my church doors every Sunday. Like, everybody just jokes about it because they know me. Mm-hmm. And so when it goes to bed, like, going to bed, like, I'm, you know, I just, I believe in I'm getting a certain amount of sleep um, so I can be at my best. Mm-hmm. But guess what? You know, sometimes I got to put that aside. Priority. Mm-hmm. Now, that to me, that's like that OCD you're talking about. To me, that's being structured. And I, I believe that children do need structure. Um, 100%. How, how has that played with your children as far as you having that militant-type structure for them? Yeah. So, you know, it's funny um, because, again, back to I remember growing up uh, how strict my parents were with grades. Mm-hmm. Right, and just things did not come easy to me. I'm an entrepreneur, but I, I'm, you know, OCD also, right? Like my mind, like I have ideas all the time, right? So I had to work very hard, and I'm an avid reader today. But man, did I hate reading when I was growing up? I just, it was like, you know, Dracula and the Cross, stay away from me, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when I look at my my own kids, so my father was extremely strict with grades. For me, you know, I. I'm active in my kids with the school. Like, I'll, I'll email the counselor. One thing um, I think a lot of parents do today, I don't know if you've ever seen that funny meme of where, you know, it shows, like, in the 1960s and the 70s, it was, you know, the the parents um, on one side uh, of the desk, right, with their kid next to them on mm-hmm. the teacher's desk and the teacher's on the other. You know, and then, you know, today it's basically, you know, like, um, the, the, the parents are, like, yelling at teachers right mm-hmm. and so you know to me it's like I, I i want my kids to have you know stand up for themselves you know so i always you know make them like hey speak to the teachers um about things you know this is not my responsibility it's not my job that is your job mm-hmm. um to to do that if you need me to step in but from you know my kids were out um the first two weeks of school this year because of covid you know mm-hmm. the whole household unfortunately got it and um you know, they, they, in high school, as you know, work just piles up and they're competitive cheerleaders. So, you know, there was just a lot of things. So for me, I stepped in and, you know, I've been speaking back and forth with the guidance counselor, but I always, I want my kids to create their own schedules, but I also let them create it. I just make sure that again, like, okay, um, when are you going to be doing homework today? You know, you don't got to do it on dad's time. You mm-hmm. know, I grew up that way. Like, Hey, you got to do it at this way. I don't think that's the right thing, but 
hey, how much homework do you have? Do you got two hours? Okay, great. Mm. You know you have cheerleading for three hours? Great. That's five hours right there. And it's three o'clock right now. And so that takes you to eight. Are you going to eat? Okay. Are you going to be texting your friends or FaceTiming or whatever the heck they do? Okay, great. You know what I mean? Then, like, let's structure out your day and look at it. So then this way it's not like, you know, oh, poop, and next thing you know, it's 2 in the morning, right? And mm-hmm. so, again, but I'm not creating it, but I help them to make mm-hmm. sure that they're doing it. So it's hopefully when they leave the house, um, they're going to do it, you know, just naturally in life. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, school man, like, I don't understand it. You know, we're focused so much on the wrong things also. That, that's another thing. Like, you know, I just, you know, I sat all my kids down recently, and we, um, you know, I – they each have dreams of what they want to be when they grow up, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we went on to some different job board sites and said, all right, here's what the average uh, pay is uh, for these jobs. Okay, where do you want to live, like, when you rent an apartment? So we're like, okay, here you got to rent. And so I got a whiteboard out. You know, I have a, a big whiteboard in my office. And we started whiteboarding everything out. All right, how about electric? How about gas? And it was funny. One of them, by the time we were done planning out what they, everything they did, it said, you know, hey, you got no food on here, man. Like, you left food out. How much are you going to spend on food? Oh, a hundred mm. a month, Dad. A hundred a month? You know? And then, so it was just such a good experience. But, you know, that's the, the stuff that, you know, again, they're not teaching in the school. So I think that's where it comes to all responsibilities, you know, as fathers, definitely, to, to show them this stuff, to show them, like, my dad never showed me how to change a tire. You know, I think every father should be doing that with their kid, showing them how to hang a picture. You know, like, like the even whether it's a daughter, there's no reason why we can't do that with our daughters also. Hmm, no, I agree 100%. I mean, those are definitely valuable life lessons. Um, I know one time my sister, she, you know, my nephews, they, uh, you know, we pulled up and she was putting gas and she got out of the car to put gas. And me growing up, that's a no-no. You know, a woman don't get out of the car to put gas. You know what I mean? She's two yep. strapping young lads in the back of the car. They're on devices, and I look at them, and I tell them, like, what the hell is wrong with you? Get out of the car and put gas. They both look at me like, we've never done that. I'm like, really? Really? (laughs) So, you know, instead of getting mad at them, I was like, okay, come on, get out. Let me show you. This is what you do, blah, 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 and I had to run through the whole thing because they're not going to do what they haven't been shown. You know what I mean? But I I guarantee you they're not going to forget that lesson, though. Like, if you look at your kids, and it's, like, wondering, like, to that point, like, do you see them open a door for elders or for, for a lady, right? Mm-hmm. And so if they're not doing it, look at yourself and ask yourself, am I doing it? Because they follow what we're doing. We might not think that they're listening, but they 100% are. Absolutely. I, no, you, 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 I agree with you 100%. I mean, we're, you know, they're watching us. They're like little mirrors all the time. Yep. You know? Um, there's a book, okay, that I heard you speak of last time we spoke. Okay, it was called The Secret of the Millionaire Mindset. Love it. What do you, so tell me your thoughts about that again, because when we're talking about it, you, you had some really good points on there, but if you can share with our audience about that, that'd, that'd be great. Yeah, it's just, again, back to like, you know, and I'm not, you know, trying to, to push down on our education system, but the reality is, is like, I don't even understand everything that they're, they're forcing these kids to learn, but we're forgetting the basics. Like, again, we look at COVID right now, and how many people needed government assistance, mm-hmm. right? Just, it, it was a tremendous amount. Why? People didn't have three months of savings. 
they were living, you know, month to, you know, paycheck to paycheck or what have you. So, you know, um, Secret of the Million, uh, Millionaire Mindset, one of my um, all-time favorite books, it's T. Har Becker, um, you know, and he just goes through 17 principles, but uh, I believe it's 17, but he talks about, like, like little things that we implant in our kids' head mm-hmm. at a young age, and we don't even realize that, like, you know, if we're opening up the menu where, you know, I don't know, you bring your kids to, you know, somewhere at like McDonald's and you're like, you might say, um, oh, get, you know, get the cheaper one up there, cheaper. And it's like kids here, cheaper in their head, cheaper in their head. Mm-hmm. And the next thing you know, they're growing up with this, like, you know, this thought about money and, you know, like that cheap mentality or what have you. And so T-Hub Becker just kind of reshapes everything um, on the way that we should think about money and talk about money. It's not necessarily a, a, a book to, um, for kids, but I think it's a good one. You know, another one of my favorite ones is, you know, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Uh, influence, uh, people. It's by um, Dale Carnegie. Mm-hmm. But um, his, wife, uh, his daughter when, uh, wrote a book, and it's How to Win Friends and Influence um, uh, People for Teen Girls. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it's written by Donna uh, Carnegie, I believe is her name. Uh, phenomenal book, bought it for my daughters. Um, really, really an amazing book with great lessons. So I don't know if you've ever read, um, you know, Dale Carnegie's book. It's, you know, obviously, you know, yeah. it's an extremely famous book, but highly recommend it. You know, I bought each of my, so I, I'm constantly trying to give my kids books or audio books, depending upon what their preference is. Mm-hmm. Um, have you ever heard of uh, Way of the Warrior Kid? Yes, yes, Jocko? yeah. Jocko? Yep. Oh, man, <laughs> I recommend that to everyone. It doesn't matter if you have a teenager or a little kid. I mean, guess what a story, and kids really resonate, it, uh, resonate with it. I think he's a, a Navy SEAL or what have you, but yeah, yeah. Um, just an amazing book with life lessons. So, um, you know, those are just, you know, a few. Um, mm-hmm. But, again, it's a lot of them, they go over things that just they're not being taught in school, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, kids are taught calculus and trigonometry and algebra too, you know, but at the end of the day, they don't know how to balance a checkbook. Right. Right. And so they don't know basic finances. And if we're not doing that as parents around the dinner table with our kids, you know, we're doing a disservice to our kids, you know, just leaving it to the schools or leaving it to somebody else to teach them because they're not going to. Mm-hmm. And that's not a good parent, in my opinion. That, that's our responsibility. No, I agree with you 100% because um, when I went to the military, I was 17 turning 18, okay? And uh, when I got there, that was one of the courses that they taught us was how to balance a checkbook. And believe it or not, like if you bounce checks in the military, dude, that was a that was a an article against you. I mean, you can get in trouble for that. <laughs> you know what I mean? They held you at a higher standard, but they also taught you the importance of writing those checks, balancing your checkbook, stuff like you said, life lessons that we should have learned. You know that they're not teaching in school, and, and you know parents are forgetting. Um, another one that I've seen, and I just saw this the other day, is when you go to the store and you get change, right? The way I was taught yeah. was that you count back the change and you go from the money up, right? Well, yeah, to the dollar. Exactly. Well, dude, nowadays you go to a store, they'll give you a wad of money and change in your hand, and here you go, bye. Here's your receipt. And you're just like, yeah. what the heck? You know what I mean? And I, I started realizing that. I was like, man, my dad... You know, he never taught me that way. If he would have seen me do that, he'd slap me upside the head and be like, "Dude, count back that change." <laughs> you know what I mean? That's awesome. It, yeah, it, no, I agree a hundred percent. It's. Uh, did you ever hear Troy Don? Have you heard that name before? No, no. 
he wrote a book. It's like how to raise a uh, future millionaire. It's called a uh, young, young box. Mm-hmm. Um, just, I interviewed him uh, a couple of years ago. Amazing uh, individual, but you know, good book. And it just talks about one of the things in it is about how every kid should have a part-time job. Mm-hmm. You know, and kids don't anymore. They yeah. don't like, you know, it's all about sport, right. And full-time, like it's not even like multiple sports, which is extremely healthy. It's about one sport, right. Travel sport. And it's like, whether it's baseball or whatever it is, that's their sport and they're doing it year round. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's just so much power, I think, in kids having, you know, a part-time job. And, you know, Troy talks a lot about that in, uh, in his book. Yeah. And I could resonate with that because I mean, me growing up, I played, I mean, I was in kickboxing i was in boxing i was in wrestling you know um karate you name it i played a little bit of baseball um football how about your kids no not nothing yet they're still really young my daughter plays tennis though she's uh played varsity tennis since she was in seventh grade and she's in 10th grade now so if you notice that difference when you look at her and like all of her friends, they probably are all like either one sport, maybe two. Yes. Whereas all of us growing up, we were playing multiple sports. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, and, so and, and not only difference. that, you had to carry on a job and you had to have good grades. Like, like me, I had to have a, a part-time job. And I remember it was pushing carts. Remember back in the day, you're, yeah. you know, at grocery stores, you didn't have to bag your own groceries or anything like that. There was a, a little kid there that would bag your groceries Load that them up you? for you. That was me. I was the kid who pushed the carts and gathered the carts and, and walked the ladies, you know, groceries to the deal and unloaded them. And, you know, once in a while, they'd give you a little tip or whatever. You know what I mean? I was yeah. making like $3 an hour. And they don't do newspaper routes anymore. Nope. Yeah. You know? And then when you ask some parents, like, you know, they had a fundraiser um, for my daughter's chair recently. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, I wanted the kids to go door to door. You know, and go stand out in front of a store and ask. And people are like, you know how dangerous that is? Like, what are we raising? Mm. Wow. You know, like, you know go, with the, go with somebody else. It, it's, um, yeah, it's crazy. But on the sport thing, um, I know I'm throwing out a lot of books, but you've got to, if you can, have a guy by the name of John O'Sullivan on your show. He wrote a, uh, a book called Changing the Game. Mm-hmm. And I think every dad should buy that book and listen to it, or at least listen to um, him on a podcast, go through the book, mm-hmm. because he talks about how many kids are quitting sport by the age of 13 because of the fact that we as parents are pressuring them. And when you ask yep. kids why they quit this sport, it's got nothing to do with the actual sport. The number one reason is the car ride home. They mm-hmm. hate, they cannot stand that, you know, that coaching from the sideline. And there's nothing wrong with giving advice. And hey, I mean, we get passionate, right? We love watching our kids. I love watching my kid play basketball. I love watching my daughter on the mat. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, sometimes we have to step back and, and check ourselves because, you know, what are we kind of like pushing on them and we don't even realize it. So he goes through a whole bunch of parenting tips throughout the book, through mm-hmm. his years of being, you know, a, a professional soccer coach. Um, you know, he, I think he played professional soccer also, but, you know, now he just uh, does it for, for college and for high school and, an amazing individual. Definitely get him on sometime because he could offer this audience so much awesome advice. And we don't even realize it until we stop. And if you read, read the book or mm-hmm. hear him, you're like, oh, my gosh, that's me sometimes. And then, you know, next thing you know, bam, our kid's quitting the sport. And it's because of us. And we didn't even realize it. Man, that's funny because I was just thinking now, I, I quit wrestling. I mean, I went all over. You know, I was on a wrestling team and everything. I was really good at wrestling, both me and my younger brother. And uh, I quit wrestling in high school. Because of that, I was burnt out. I'd been wrestling since I was a six or six years old. You know what I mean? And wow. 
that whole mentality of if you don't win, you're going to get your butt kicked, <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean, type of yeah. deal. I mean, he got too much. It's like, oh, I don't want to be dealing with this, you know. But I, I, I can definitely see that. Some of these events, you see kids getting yelled at in the side or in the bathroom. My wife will mm-hmm. hear that chair events all the time. Moms yelling at their daughters, um, mm-hmm. you know, about the way they performed up in the mat. And it's like, you know, I mean, yeah, we don't realize it. Just scars. We all have scars, right? And mm-hmm. like, so I'm 49. I got scars from when, you know, I remember, like, my father once, he left for the office, and he's like, we were having a pool put in. He's like, you know, again, he made me work hard, right? So he's like, I want me. I had to dig um, the hole to our backyard by the uh, pool where the, I guess they were laying the electric. Mm-hmm. And there's some type of, I guess, ordinance rules. It has to be 18 inches down or whatever. Like, they actually come with the tape measure of the town. Yeah. I remember my father coming home and literally measuring it. And like turning around and whacking me in the face saying I didn't dig it the right way and mm-hmm. like getting the shovel out. And I remember being out there late at night doing it. And so, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it yeah. scars. And that's a scar. Like to today, I look at it and I'm like, oof. You know what I mean? Like, oof. I, I hope I'm not like that, like with that particular, right? And so mm-hmm. it's that balance, the yin and yang. And uh, it's so hard to find. Oh, it is. I mean, man, you just saying that just brought back a memory for me, too. Is we are doing a, because we grew up, you know, on a farm where you'd have to pick up bales of hay and stuff like that. And the property started progressing, you know, as we started going more and more with cattle. So we started getting, we started having to make bigger um, places to put our hay to be covered, right? And uh, we we're building one, I remember, with my dad. And I was having to hold these poles while he was standing on a ladder. And he's driving them in with a sledgehammer that weighed 35 pounds. And he's telling me, don't look up, hold on to that damn pole. Or I'm gonna, <laughs> you know what I mean? And don't be afraid, he was telling me. And he's <laughs> swinging and hitting it. And every time he hit, my hands would just ding and, you know, just come the off vibration. the pipe and the vibration. It's holding. But you're afraid because, you know, you're more afraid of what he's going to do to you if you don't hold yeah, it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Versus him missing and killing you literally with a 35 pound sledgehammer you know <laughs> holy cow holy cow yeah crazy stuff like that you know what i mean but uh I, I wanted to ask you something brother we had talked you know when i when i talked to you on the phone previous about uh the importance of building your life around your family not your career how did you yeah. come to learn that valuable lesson like what did you see in your family yeah, so, uh, you know, again, I, I think I told you, you know, the, the mm-hmm. 910 and why I became an entrepreneur to yeah. support it. Um, but then, you know, fast forward, um, you know, to 2018, I had a software company that went from zero to 10,000 customers to zero overnight. Um, you know, our app what? got suspended by Twitter and it just, the company disclosed. Um, and so, you know, obviously, you know, here's Mike just riding this, you know, success train the last, you know, almost 18 years of having kids and then just out of nowhere, everything changed. And so, um, yeah, it was, it was really rough, but I think, you know, God works in weird ways, right? There's always, you know, there, there's a message for us. And that message for me that I had to learn was, you know, hey, um, I wasn't there as much with my children as the reason I became an entrepreneur and I needed a wake up call. And it was that moment that I realized it, um, you know, and just as I, you know, I remember, like, I didn't know what I was going to start next as an entrepreneur, 
but me and my son, we went for a ride across the country to a conference that I was going to speak at, and I knew somebody there. So, you know, I was just going to go and network and see what's next for me. And, you know, uh, we were supposed to be there like two days, man. We ended up spending a week. Mm-hmm. We had a blast and just, you know, took our time. And I was like, why haven't I done this more? And then, you know, it was just that it was that forced slowdown mm-hmm. because I don't think I would have slowed down um, without what had happened, right? It just, you know, I lost everything. It just, it, it, I, I don't think, you know, I know for a fact that um, things were going so good that I just continued to put more on my plate. Mm-hmm. And so being forced by, you know, the powers to be to say stop and, and slow down um, just caused me now as a, you know, building a new company, um, you know, my priorities are, you know, I have on my calendar, literally, like I will not, I had a big potential of a huge investor um, this past Sunday that mm-hmm. wanted me to talk to them. I don't talk on Sunday. It's church and my family. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing it. You know, um, it's priorities. I, I think you had said that earlier, right? And so, yeah, um, yeah we, it's the, the universe works in weird ways, right? And mm-hmm. so, um, but, you know, ultimately, I, I'm a big believer God always wins. And, and you know, he's uh, he was like, Mike, you got to pay attention because you haven't been listening in the last uh, 18 years. So, yeah, I'm going to make your life miserable. Mike loves money. Mike loves working. I'm going to take that all away from you. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, make you really dig deep to find your priority. And so I found my priority. And it's sometimes it's better when you look, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. You know, when you're going through that pain, yeah. obviously it's not fun at all. You know, I've been there as well. Um, but sometimes it's better that that happens than getting that call at night that, hey, your child, you got to come, you know, make sure this is your child because they're in the morgue, yeah. you know, and I, I've, heard, I've heard a lot of stories like that because, you know, we get busy and when we get busy like you did, you know what I mean? Stuff starts suffering, right? Because there's no such thing as multitasking. Something's going to suffer. Something's going to break, right? So when that happens, you know, our children have the uncanny ability of getting your attention, good or bad, whether it be you know, getting into Yale, right, because they did a good job, or you getting that call at 2 in the morning saying, hey, man, you got to come pick up your kid. You know, they're in jail or whatever. You know, they're going to get your attention is what I'm getting at. So it's better that the universe or, you know, like I like to say, God, you know, puts the kibosh on how fast we're going because sometimes we get too fast. We, we, we get busy and, you know, things get out of priority Things get out of whack. There's no balance that everybody's trying to find, right? You don't get that balance, and then something suffers, you know? It's true. So, uh, it was you know, a wake-up call for me, my friend, um, but it's one I'm grateful that um, that I had because it brought me back to my church. It's, um, mm-hmm. you know, just it, then it, it's made me a much, much better father. Mm-hmm. Um, it's made me really fall back on what I ultimately believe, which is our presence over presence, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we can't buy their love. We can, you know. We have to be there to lead them, to show them how to, you know, if it's a son, how to be a man. You know, if it's a girl, teach them, you know, how to be, um, you know, be a lady and, you know, be respected by men, mm-hmm. respect who they are. Um, back to what you said um, a, a moment ago. Yeah, I, I don't know if you've read a lot of the recent studies, but, um, you know, unfortunately, one out of three kids um, contemplate suicide mm-hmm. um, teenagers. Um, you know, just under 2%, almost 2%. Of you know, so two out of every 100 mm-hmm. will actually attempt suicide. Um, it's real. Why? I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I know I've shared with you my beliefs on kids with social media, mm-hmm. um, but um, you know, it's um, yeah. I think it was uh, who came out with this yesterday? Facebook. Facebook was um, you know, unfortunately hiding some information. But you know, Wall Street Journal just spoke an article. Um, I think it was the other day that you know, fifty percent of you know girls. Um, feel worse about their bodies, teenage girls, mm-hmm. because of Instagram. Wow. You know, because of that. And so when, you know, I share that suicide mm-hmm. thing, you know, we, we have to realize, like, if, if we're not home, we're not paying attention. If we're not the ones, you know, really parenting and having those tough conversations, again, we don't have to be that authoritarian. Mm-hmm. Um, but we need to be involved, and we can't think that somebody else is teaching them because they're not. And if we don't, um, back to your point, we're going to be getting that call sometime, and it's not the call we want. Mm. And it, it's crazy, too, because, I mean, you look at, you know, all these social media platforms and stuff like that, and absolutely right. If we're not teaching them their value, they're getting their value for what the media says. And now the media says you need filler in your lips, um, your hips are too fat, you need bigger boobs, you know, and all these different things that these little girls buy into you know, which used to be through magazines, right? Because they would see Vogue and all these different magazines saying that this is how a woman looks. Now they're seeing it on Instagram. Now they're seeing it on TikTok. You know, so it's just compounding in their minds how they should look when they should be getting that from their father, right? Because they're not happy with how they look. So they Mm -hmm. use a filter, right? Yes. Um, You know, what is that doing to them mentally? I mean, you know. Well, when they see a friend that they thought was a friend that's at a party that they weren't invited to, you know, and next thing you know, they're just, you think your kid's going through a moment and they don't want to talk right now. Mm-hmm. So they're up in the room with the door closed. You know, what's going on in that head? You know, the, the thing's waiting down. You know, so again, I, and I'm very social media. You know that. Like, yes. like I, I think I've shared that with you. And so we need to, as parents, um, not look at it as the devil because it's not. But we have to be, you know, very, very active in our kids' lives, you know, um, and communicate with them the way they, they, they enjoy to be communicated. Kids like, unfortunately, Snapchat today. Mm-hmm. Um, so, listen, if your kids got snapped and you don't as a parent, what are you doing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, number one, you, you got to have it. You got to get it. You got to learn it. Um, and then you have to have those uh, conversations with them about, you know, about it and, like, what is it doing, Um you know, to the to the brain. You know, I texted. I'm, I'm phoning this up right now. I, last night, texted my daughter right before I went to bed. I said, "I can elect to change all thir- thoughts that hurt. Mm-hmm. I can elect to change all th- thoughts that hurt." Because she had a fight with a friend on social media. Mm-hmm. But you know, I was like, you know, you, you're in charge with how you're going to feel at this moment, right? And again, mm-hmm. it's parenting, right? And so, how did I message it to her? I messaged it through an app that she's on all the time because that's the way I can communicate with her. Hmm. So instead of demonizing these things that kids are using, because like it or not, that's the way their world's going. You know what I mean? We got to adapt as fathers, right? To reach them on that level. I like that. Yeah. And show them how to use it. Like, like Mm -hmm. find accounts. You know, one thing is, is right. um, Yeah. It's a great way to also know who they're hanging out with. Yes. In the character of those first people. Mm -hmm. So, you know, yes, I am. Creeper. I, you know, I will go and look at who they are um, associating with and then look at those posts of those folks, not just the recent ones, but I'm going to go back and look six months. Who is their character? When people come to, you know, like my house is the hangout house, so I'm cool mm-hmm. with that, right? And I, I get to know all the folks, but, you know, are they looking me in the eye, you know, when they come into the, to my house? 
you know, or they just mm. wanted to leave and go right up to, you know, to my daughter's bedroom. No, hang out here. Do I have, you know, a friendship with them? And I had friendships with all, with all their friends, right? And they talked mm-hmm. to me. Um, why? You know, because I, I, I understand them and, you know, I talk to them the way they want. But, you know, back to that whole social media part, like, mm. you know, look at what your kids are posting, you know, the stories that they're posting, and then, you know, have a conversation about that and show them other ones. You know, like, I mean, a lot of these, you know, girls today, they, they wear those, you know, uh, those very short shirts and, mm-hmm. you know, um, again, they have filters that make their, you know, whatever area yeah. look larger than it really does. And, you know, I mean, is that the way you want to be portrayed? So, you know, I let them know that the reality is this. HR executives right now at college admissions officers, um, guess what they're looking at? They're wow. looking at their social media feed. And so, and here's the, the scarier thing. If they go to look and they can't, so don't be like a parent, well, that's why I don't let my kids on it. Well, now you're also doing them a disservice because I speak to a lot of them. Again, I've spent, you know, two years interviewing a ton of them. And guess what? If they can't find them on social media, that will be a mark against them. Really? So, you know, let them know. You Yes. So you are being watched on social media, number one. And number two, that you're being judged by the way that you post, by the way that you comment, by what you like. Right. And so if they don't understand that, that is our job, because guess what? They're not teaching this in school, Hmm. unfortunately. Um, And they should be 100 percent, in my opinion. We should be teaching kids how to use it for good. Kids can, you know, imagine if every child, you know, in every community out there with their friends was able to go out there and help, for instance, let's call it any nonprofit a farm in your local area. You, you mentioned you, you grew up in a farm, right? And mm-hmm. so we have a local farm here, and, you know, they were terrible on social media. So what did my kids do? They created a YouTube channel for them. They did Instagram posts for them, and they were helping a nonprofit. But through doing that, they learned about, you know, how to connect with the community, how to work with influencers uh, in the local community, how to create and post that get engagement, and ultimately, how to create a digital footprint, not only for that nonprofit, but more importantly, a digital footprint for themselves, because everybody will be looking at their digital footprint in the future. And if they don't have one, mark against them. And if they do have one, what does it say about you as an individual? Are you happy with it? And if you're not, you have the ability to change it, change it today. But the only one to teach them that is us as parents. Wow, man, that's crazy how you tied that all in. And Man, when you're just talking about that, Mike, I started seeing the old school with the new school. And what I mean by that is, you know, like you said, know who your kids hang out with, right? Because that's one of the things that my father said, show me who you hang out with and I'll tell you who you are. So instead of, you know, now that everything's changed because you got to adapt, right? Now as fathers, what we can do, like you said, which is such a great idea, is start looking at these profiles, Start looking at these kids that they're talking to you, like you said, and then take it even a step further. Go six months back. Find out their character. Right? See who your kids... Look and who and, they're commenting on. Exactly. Are they, are they boys? You know, are they talking about if it's a boy? Again, cooking up and, mm-hmm. and what have you, or, you know, um, you know vaping. You know, uh-huh. I've seen the, you know, the, the vape. And then, you know, hey, you just said that they don't vape, but they're on there vaping. Wow. No, it, it, you can learn a lot. Yes, you can. I mean, instead of being afraid of it, because like you said, it's new and our tendency, you know, as fathers, is well, it's new. It's different. I mean, I see I even see that in our in our trade linemen. You know what I mean? We get these linemen who have 
an extensive amount of knowledge, right, for line work. You put a computer in front of them and they freak out. Why? It's not that they're dumb. It's not that they can't learn it. It's just it's new and they don't want to do anything with it. But that's holding them back in their tools, holding them back in the trade. Now you have these linemen that are 60-some, 70-some years old that are broken that should be in the office teaching, you know what I mean, from a different perspective. But their fear or whatever, you know I mean? Don't get me wrong. There's some linemen who just don't give a shit, who rather just be out in the field, right? But, you know, because of that lack of knowledge, that fear is holding them back from actually taking it easy for the rest of the life. They've already given her hell, you know? Yeah. But, uh, Mike, so awesome to have you on here, brother. Um, I'd like for you right now to just share with our audience how they can get a hold of you. Um, we'd deeply appreciate that, if you don't mind. Yeah, so, I mean, anybody ever any questions about books or questions about even like, hey, Mike, you know, my kid's on this and how do I watch, you know, because what, you know, to back up, don't go out and, and you know, friend request your kid's friends um, mm. on there. That's creepy, okay? Yeah. Um, so learn the, learn the platform first. So if you've got questions on that, I'm very um, open on social media, any of the major profiles. My name is just Mike Koala, uh, and then you can also email me. My first uh, name is Michael at, and the name of my company is CBAVenture.com, CBAVenture.com. Hmm. So I'm very up with social media. You know, I love helping parents out. I mentor teenagers around the country. You know, I have my company is, you know, we start, grow, and monetize for investors, YouTube channels. Hmm. So it's a weird type of investment. I know most people are used to buying stocks. Yeah, we help people buy YouTube channels and make money from the ads that are on it. So it's pretty cool. But because of that, I've learned so much over the last 10 years of social media, and I understand every aspect of it. Mm -hmm. And I also know how kids can create fake profiles for their parents, the profile that you will see, and then the real profile that they're on. And I know how to find those. I have cyber uh, crime friends who are in uh, the law enforcement. So they taught me all the tricks. Happy mm -hmm. to share them if uh, anybody's got questions. Hmm. Well, right on. Once again, thank you for coming on our show, Mike, and we appreciate you, and uh, we, we know this is going to create great value for our listeners. Thank you once again. I appreciate you. Thank you so much.